Hello, I'm Jonathan Smith. I'm the lead pastor at One Church TO, and you're listening to the teaching time from our weekend gathering. We're an imperfect community of over 70 nationalities and five generations who are attempting to follow and shine Jesus in the greater Toronto area. Our vision, it's so simple. We want to help people from all walks of life know God, love people, and in turn, impact our city for good. We've designed these weekends to be meaningful, challenging, and encouraging, and I hope that's what you get from listening. Oh, did you hear those lyrics? I can see you now, Jesus. I can see the love in your eyes. Can you imagine having the Son of God make eye contact directly with you? Can you imagine being in a crowd and uh, Jesus is coming by, and, and he singles you out. He looks directly into your eyes. That actually happened. Luke 19 tells us about Zacchaeus. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. He's over 20 kilometers away. And he's going through Jericho. People hear he's coming to town. They line the streets. And, and, and the Bible says Jesus looked up. Now, the first time I heard this story was probably, uh, I was probably about seven years old in a Sunday school class in Ottawa. And I love this picture. They put it on what they call the flannel graph, you know, where you could just stick, look at it. <laughs> Zacchaeus is this up in the tree and he's waving. I sort of got stuck there as a boy because I love being outside climbing trees. And uh, the idea, here's a grown man climbing a tree. I was impressed. If my mom had have asked me when I got back from Sunday school, what did you learn in Sunday school today? I would have probably told her, you know, I learned about a guy, he's a grown man, and he's still climbing trees. <laughs> if she said, why was he climbing the tree? I don't know that I could have answered her then, but I can answer her now. Do you know why? Because Jesus was coming to town. He was a, a on the shorter side, and so he couldn't see past the people that lined the street, so he got up in a tree. Listen, he, he, he wanted to see Jesus so badly that he climbed up a tree, grown man. And, uh, you know, sorry for the groan so early in the teaching, but, you know, he wants to see Jesus so bad he goes out on a limb. <laughs> so he, here's... here's Zacchaeus, he's no different from the residents of Jericho. They're all attracted to Jesus. What was there about Jesus that made him so attractive? People wanted to get close to him, wanted to see him, wanted to be in his presence. What was it? The same thing that attracted people to Jesus wherever he went. And it was people from all kinds of Demographic, socioeconomic, gender, age, religion, cultural backgrounds, they all wanted to be around Jesus. Why? Let me give you three reasons. Reason number one, Jesus sees you as a treasure worth searching for. He did back then with Zacchaeus, was a treasure worth seeking. Matter of fact, look at this verse. It says, when Jesus came by, he looked up. Zacchaeus, and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Now, the people that were lining the streets that heard that were just shocked, bewildered even. Why is Jesus uh, calling someone who we look down on, <laughs> in more ways than one in our community, we, we look down on him because he's, he's the chief tax collector. So they had religious reasons for hating Zacchaeus because he's like a collaborator. 
He's earning his income by participating with what the people would have considered an illegitimate Roman government. They were the children of Abraham, God's people. And uh, here's the, the Romans came in, and this guy's collecting taxes on behalf of the Romans. So they had religious reasons. They also had personal reasons. Luke describes Zacchaeus with this word, wealthy. So every time they go by his mansion, the people that live in Jericho are thinking, those are my tax dollars at work, you know. And so they had lots of reasons to hate Zacchaeus. What am I saying? I'm saying Jesus cuts right through what everyone else sees in Zacchaeus, what they prejudge him to be, and Jesus goes looking for treasure in probably the most hated man in Jericho. You see, that's what Jesus did every day. Jesus knew that imprinted on every soul of every human being was the image of God. Something that made them want to reach out and know if there's a higher power. Jesus knew that. And Jesus never met one person where he wasn't looking for the image of God in them. Remember the children? You know, people dismiss them. He said, no, 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 let the children come to me. <laughs> I see the kingdom of God in children. Remember the uh, Roman centurion, obviously re representing this illegitimate government of Caesar, and, and, and yet when Jesus uh, heals his daughter, he says, you know, I haven't seen faith in all of Israel like I see it in you as a Roman, as a Gentile. And then there was this triple loser. You say triple loser? Yeah. I mean, she was a Samaritan. They were despised. Remember Pastor Jonathan told the story about the uh, good Samaritan. They were despised. Prejudice, racism was happening. And Jesus makes the Samaritan the hero of his story, but they despise. So this woman is, is a Samaritan. She's a woman. And, and, and they were considered inferior in the culture of that time. And she's also immoral. And uh, so she's despised, considered rejectable for that reason. And, and listen to what Jesus says to this triple loser in John chapter 4. He says, the Father is looking for the likes of you who will worship him in spirit and in truth. And so th that's what he's doing with Zacchaeus. Jesus is doing what he does every day. He's treasure hunting. He's looking for the treasure in jars of clay. In human beings, he's looking for that image of God. And that day, he happens to find it up a tree inside a, a man who's hated by and prejudged by people in his community. And Jesus stops and he sees, imagine eye contact with Jesus. Jesus sees a hunger for spiritual, spiritual reality in Zacchaeus' soul. And, and, and Jesus is hungry for some physical reality. And so he says, let's do lunch today. And by the way, you're paying for it. You see, Jesus sees treasure inside every human being and, and, and he seeks for it. And that's what he's doing with you today. If you want to know what Jesus is doing, he left heaven to come to be your savior. He's looking for you to know and experience his love and forgiveness and eternal life today. Second reason why people were so attracted to Jesus. Your worst is safe with Jesus. Even better, he saves you from it. All right? We're going to see that in Zacchaeus. Look at this. Zacchaeus quickly climbs down the tree and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner. 
they grumbled. Now, they are grumbling because they know the worst about Zacchaeus. But Jesus is clear. Listen, at the end of this account recorded by Luke, Jesus closes it off by saying this. He says, the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. I, I came for Zacchaeus. Came to seek and save those who are lost. Notice, seek and save. He seeks us out to find treasure, but when he finds us and he sees the condition we're in, the brokenness, he saves us from that. Isn't that wonderful? It's one thing to have the ability to seek out treasure. It's another thing to have the ability to salvage it, to save it to restore it, to, to not only find it, but to, to have it so it is treasured for all of eternity. And that's what Jesus does. You know, sometimes we'll just say, well, if, if Jesus or God knew this about me, he sure wouldn't want me to be one of his followers. You know, I got to get my life more together and then follow Jesus. You mean like Peter was when he first met Jesus? Remember Peter was fishing by the Sea of Galilee because he had a, had a fishing business? By the way, it's tax time. Ready for another groaner? How do you know whether or not Peter was a rich fisherman? By his net income, okay? Sorry. But, but, but so he's cleaning his nets, and, and, and Jesus miraculously provides fish. And then Peter just says, oh my goodness, this miracle worker, this Jesus, he's holy and I'm not. He falls at Jesus' feet and he says, stay away from me, Jesus. I am a sinful man. If you knew what I was really like, Jesus, you wouldn't want me to be your follower. And Jesus says, too late. <laughs> I already know the worst about you and I want you to follow me and help me fish out treasures in people. And then remember that time, you can read in the Gospels, there's this, there's this dinner party that Simon the Pharisee is hosting because he's attracted to Jesus and all kinds of people are in the room. Jesus is sort of a celebrity there and in comes this prostitute and she goes over to the feet of Jesus and remember just, she just like not oblivious to what is socially appropriate in her brokenness. She doesn't know how to relate to a man who has forgiven her and, and cared for her. And so she, anyway, it's quite a scene. And Jesus says that he, could, he knew what Simon the Pharisee was thinking. And the people in the room, there was tension there. People were judging her. And Jesus speaks up and he just dissolves the tension. He says, you know what, Simon? <laughs> you know what you're seeing here? Excess. Excess gratitude for a lot of forgiveness. The person that's been forgiven much, loves much. And so you know what Jesus is really doing? He's, he's just protecting that woman's dignity and her social inappropriateness. I love that about Jesus. He's saying, he's saying basically, woman, your worst is safe with me. And then remember, one of the 12 disciples, this was an intellectual thing, he, he just couldn't accept the fact that, you know, he had been devastated when Jesus died on the cross, his Messiah, the one he's given his life to, is dead, people are talking about Jesus being raised from the dead, and he's saying, no, 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 not going there again, you know, I've been burned once. I'd have to see Jesus before me and see the nail prints in his hand. And Jesus shows up and he says, Thomas, I hear you're looking for me. He says, my Lord and my God. And Jesus is basically saying, Thomas, your worst doubts are safe with me. Oh, that, that's Jesus. What's your worst? What's the worst that you have done in your past? The worst issues that you're struggling with in your life today? 
What would it be that if people knew that about you, you'd be a victim of cancel culture? You'd just be one of those people who say, no, 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 I didn't know that about you. You know what? Your worst is safe with Jesus. And better than that, he saves you from it. You say, yeah, but I, he, I doesn't know this. Listen, too late. He already knows the worst about you. Listen to how Romans says it. It says, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us. When? While we were still sinners. He didn't wait till we turned to him or got better. No, right while we were at our worst. Christ died for us. Jesus knew what he was getting himself into before he left heaven and came looking for you. And I love that about Jesus that he says, no matter how buried the treasure is in you, I'm going to die to pay the price so that all of that garbage can be removed in your life so that you can be a treasure that is with me forever. Listen, I, I don't know what you're going through these COVID days, but for some people, it's just been going on so long and some things are coming to the surface in their life and it's pretty lousy, pretty tough for them right now. Pastor Jonathan just mentioned this past week. He said, you know, let's keep letting the people know that if they're hurting and they're going through some of the worst that they could be going through, um, let us know. We want to be there. You say, well, what's, how do I get it started? Well, get the process started to reach out and just even go to One Church TO and there's a care form, there's a prayer form. Let us know how we can care for you, no, no matter what you're going through. Do you know there's a third reason that people were really attracted to Jesus? Here it is. Jesus brings the best out of you. He did that for Zacchaeus. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord. It's like he's at this dinner party with Jesus, the guest of honor at his own house, and he stands up and makes an announcement. I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord, and if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today, for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. Wow. This is a different Zacchaeus than the one we met a few hours ago up a tree, just, just longing for more than what he experienced in life, longing for just seeing Jesus. No one in Jericho saw this coming, but it's exactly what Jesus does. He just, he, he, he sees the worst in us saves us from it to bring the best out of us because of his love for us. You see, we, we use the word love in so many different ways, right? I can say, I love chocolate. That's not love. That means I desire chocolate. I selfishly desire chocolate. But I love, to, to, to love, Jesus shows us what love is. He says, he says it, it's when you sacrifice to bring out the best for someone. That's what love is. The Apostle John spent three years, along with the other disciples, seeing Jesus love people, seek them out, forgive the worst, and bring the best out of them. And he says, all right, you want to know what real love is? He's writing one of his letters, looking back on his time with Jesus. He says, you want to know what real love is? This is real love. Not even that we love God, but that he initiated it. He loved us. And sent his son. How do we know? He sacrificed, right? Love is what love does. He sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Then he says this. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, 
to sacrifice. That's what love was, to take away our sins, to take away our worst. Since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. If God loves us this much, we have what it takes to do that for other people. Do you see that? Now, Pastor Jonathan and I are going to give you um, a memory verse, a scripture to memorize that's going to be very helpful in your future every week. Now, I don't know where you are, if you can say this out loud, but saying something out loud uh, helps us remember it. And so I invite you to start memorizing. Say this out loud together with me. I invite you to do that. This is real love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. If you're looking for the number one reason why people were attracted to Jesus, it was his love. A love that went to find you, found you at your worst, and, and, and forgave you, saved you from it, and then brought the best out of you. That's what, and then he, he, he trained his 12 main leaders for three years. They did an internship where he said, now at the end of the internship, I want you to go do for people what I have done for them and what I have done for you. I'm leaving, but I'm going to send my spirit, and he'll be with you, and he'll help you every time you love people the way I have loved you. But never forget it. What I want you to be known for more than anything else, by this will all men know that you are my disciples, by the love. This looking for people, finding them at their worst, and bringing the best out of them, that kind of sacrificial love, that's what you'll be known for. He says, a new commandment I give to you. This is the new commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. So how are we doing? How are we doing at attracting people to Jesus? We see Jesus attracted people of every demographic, socioeconomic, every age, every race and religious background to him. How are we doing with that? in 2021. Well, we sure as a church started off right. We started off so well on the leadership of those first uh, disciples. They had people that were coming to Jesus left and right. Thousands were coming to Jesus when the church started up because of the love that they saw in that faith community. They saw the love of Jesus that was there, the forgiveness, the acceptance of Jesus. But you know what happened after a while? The church kept needing course corrections because anytime, watch this, anytime uh, a group of Jesus followers makes something other than the sacrificial love of Jesus their main agenda, they get off track. And, uh, and so you, that's why you read some of the New Testament letters. And, you know, for instance, the church in Galatia, the Christians there, they got off to a great start. But he has to say, who cut in on you? He says, you're taking the Old Testament law. You're changing grace, that amazing grace that Natalie sang about. You're changing that grace and you're changing it into a religion. You're adding in religion. You have off to do all this Jewish religion. It felt comfortable and traditional and go back to that. And he says, you're, listen, he says, if you want to follow that Old Testament law, let me give you the whole Old Testament law to do. Here it is. All the law, he says, the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. 
Then he goes on to say, look at it. He says, you go in the way with religion. He says, if you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. You'll never be good enough through good works and religion. It's the grace of Jesus, that amazing grace. Now, in Corinth, Greece, they saw explosive growth, all kinds of people coming to know Jesus. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they had the gifts of the Spirit. And then they got enamored with these gifts and used them more as toys and tools to help others. And, and so Paul writes to them and he says, listen, you can speak in tongues all you want. You can get all the knowledge you want and you can, you can give all the money that you want. But if you don't have love for others, if you don't have love for others, he says, basically, you ain't got nothing. Couldn't be more clear than that. Since Jesus has turned uh, the leadership of the, his church over to us, his followers, we have had some amazing years where we were known for the love that we had for people because of the love of Jesus in our hearts. You know, even Pastor Jonathan and I both used examples from pandemics throughout history, even in Roman times, and Christians were on the front lines there sacrificing themselves to help other people when the pagans were out of town, ran for cover. And so there, there, there were wonderful times, but you can also read in church history, times where Christians did the opposite of what love of Jesus is about. And, you know, times like the Middle Ages, remember the Crusades? where they militarily went and killed off other people that weren't of the Christian religion. And uh, just the, they armed themselves with hate instead of the, the love of Jesus. You know, I, I, walking in to teach you today, I, I walked by what's amounting to over 300 bags of clothing that our church in our love army, have you heard that? Love army is us doing unignorable acts of goodness in our city to impact our city of Toronto. And, and every week, we're just, every month, we're doing something that just is, I mean, we're just going to love people whether they love back or not. We, we're not asking questions about, about what background they're from. We're just loving people the way that Jesus loved them. That's what the love army is all about you know in the time of uh, Gandhi uh, Christians that he met were not known for their love here's what Gandhi said he said I like your Christ I do not like your Christians your Christians are so unlike your Christ what about today when people look in on Christians on Christ followers is it attractive do we attract them to Jesus what comes to their mind? I, you know, throughout church history, there have always been some around who say that they're followers of Jesus. They use the name of Jesus, but they use it and they have a, a selfish motivation. It, it's to exalt themselves or they do it to... Um, the, the, just to be part of a group and the justifying even hate towards other people. There, listen, there have always been people around who use the name of Christ to identify themselves, but they make atheism look attractive. Not the love of Jesus. And we have them today all over the internet and uh, especially during these days of COVID, I don't know whether people are just, whether they got more time in their hands, they've got self-serving 
stuff happening in the name of Jesus. You've got political stuff, people exalting political parties and leaders above the name of Jesus, making that the reason for being together, hating other people who don't agree with them, saying hateful things. I know it's not the majority of Christians, but it's what's getting the attention these days. People call themselves Christians, and yet they are known for, for speaking hate and rage and anger and bitterness against each other. Paul corrected followers of Jesus in Ephesus when he says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger. Brawling and slander, along with every form of malice, this is what you're to be known for. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Loving and forgiving and accepting people the way that God has loved and accepted you. Do you know that we can all change? We can, listen, if you've been dabbling in that, <laughs> any spreading of hatred, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. Use the rest of your life to bring the, for Jesus' sake, that he would be seen for who he really is, for the gospel's sake, the good news that is the only hope for the human race, for your sake, for people's sake, so that you would use the rest of your life not spreading anything to do with hate, but spreading the love of Jesus. Listen, when I heard a story in a book that Pastor Jonathan gave me to read recently in preparation for this series, I came across a man that I only knew one time with him. I didn't know how he had changed. His name, and it's, the book's name is A Gentle Answer. And the person I'm talking about is one that I heard about in the 80s and 90s, even when I came in the early 2000s to pastor here in Toronto, Jerry Falwell Sr. And I had heard him say very judgmental things about people, even other Christians. And when 9-11 happened, he came out so judgmental on people. And so much so that there was an outcry from the Christian community saying, you're not representing what Jesus is. Where are you getting that stuff? You're not representing what the scripture says. And he apologized for it. And he also had this big lawsuit with someone it would be so easy to hate, Larry Flint, who just passed away during COVID just less than a month ago. But Larry Flint was part of this pornography empire, the Hustler magazine, television channels with pornography. And, and, um, and, and he one time did a debate on Larry King Live with over 8 million people viewing, and they were debating, you know, the damage or the merits of pornography in society. And, uh, and during the interview, uh, Jerry Falwell Sr., this man who had been so judgmental, reached over and gave Larry Flint a hug. And something changed. Jerry Falwell Sr. went over to the Hustler head office and met with... Larry Flint, and they talked for hours. And Jerry Fowell told them about Jesus. And, and, and they, out of that conversation, they decided that they would go across the United States to various university campuses, and they would debate the merits or the damage of pornography. And, 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 and they did. And, uh, and out of all that, they became friends. You know, doing stuff that damages and demeans women and people, and, and yet Jerry Falwell Sr. learned to love him. And you know what? When, when Jerry Falwell died rather suddenly, 
Larry Flint wrote this in the Los Angeles Times as a bit of a eulogy to Jerry Falwell Sr. He says this, he says, the truth is the Reverend and I had a lot in common. We steered our conversations away from politics, but religion was within bounds. He wanted to save me and was determined to get me out of the business. He says, every time I'd call him, I'd get put right through and he'd let me berate him about his views. I'm sure I never changed his mind about anything, just as he never changed mine. But I'll never admire him for that. But what I admire him for and I respected him was that it was just, it was just, it was shocking to me that we became friends. You know, it's like I hate what you do, but I love the treasure in you. Do you remember when Jesus saw that rich young ruler that let his money stop him from following Jesus? You know how Jesus handled that? He didn't turn on him. He didn't demean him. He said, the Bible says that Jesus looked at him and loved him. I hope that in my life and in your life, as long as we live, that every person that we talk to about Jesus that rejects Jesus, I hope that even if they go on their own way without Jesus, they do so knowing that Jesus loves them and we love them. Right on? Listen, the biggest passion of my life, the purpose of all of our lives is to reveal Jesus to people, to find that treasure in every human being, to help Jesus forgive the worst in people and bring the best out of them. That is why we are here. And, uh, you know, every day of my life, I, I pray. I, I have this prayer, and I've been praying for years, and I end with this, Jesus, today, may I love people the way that you love me. May I treat people today the way that you treat me. And, you know, after years of praying that, you know, it just, you just get that heart of Jesus for people, no matter who they are or what background they're from or whatever hateable activities they are a part of. And I've had people say to me, you know, thank you for, Pastor Keith, for hitting me hard with your gentleness. Other people in business didn't even know I was a pastor, found out I was a follower of Jesus and said, you know, I knew there was something different about you when I met you. I feel safe with you. I trust you. I've had people say that they can see Jesus in me. No, that, that doesn't, that's nothing about me. That's about me surrendering what I want and saying, Jesus, I want what you want. I want your love to be in me. I want to see people the way that you see them. Last week, I was um, just feeling pretty sad because I heard about yet another leader with Canadian roots that was uh, a Christian leader, had such an impact, wrote so many books and, and stuff came out about their personal life, the moral failure. I, I, I was already thinking about other people that south of the border that had failed, that were so well known. I'm just thinking, what, what are people thinking about Christians in the church these days? Hearing about so many high profile leaders in the Christian community that have failed. And I'm thinking about this, oh Jesus, how are we going to, you know what? Let you be seen instead of all of this other stuff. And I was going to a bank making my last minute RSP contribution because I am getting older, you know. <laughs> and I had a, a check from one bank and I wanted to process it that day so it right in so it could be put in certain funds that day. And anyway, the, she, she looked at me and of course the name Smith is on the check and she looked at me. She says, are you good for this? And she looked at me right in the eyes. 
do you have this in that other bank? And I said, yes, I do. And she noticed the word reverent there, and she said, you know, if you can't trust a minister, who can you trust? And I just thought, oh, Lord, may that be the prevailing view. May that be, people will know that we are your followers because they see you and us, and they can trust what we have to say because we live what we claim when it comes to Jesus Christ. Oh, I don't know about you, but I don't want to spend my life distracting from Jesus. I want to attract people to Jesus. Thanks for listening. If you found this helpful, we hope you join us at one of our campuses if you're in the GTA for a weekend gathering. If you're listening from somewhere else in the world, we'd encourage you to join us at onechurch.to slash live. We believe everyone can be a part of what Jesus is doing, both in our community and in our city. So if you'd like to connect with us at a deeper level, visit us at onechurch.to slash next steps. See you next time. Thank you.